You're listening to the Pursue God Men's Podcast, the official channel for biblical manhood at PursueGod.org. Find resources to talk about it with your family, men's group, or mentor at PursueGod.org forward slash men. Okay, men, today we are continuing on in our Seven Deadly Sins series, and today we're going to tackle lust, and we have a full studio because John Joining us, we have our good friend, Thud, fighter pilot. He's going to share some great insights from the military world, really that just apply to all men. But we also have Pastor Mark Alstrom joining us. Mark um, is the one who runs our addiction recovery podcast for Pursue God. So if if you haven't ever experienced that podcast, I encourage you to go check it out. There's 12 steps on there. There's all kinds of great content. Mark, what do you release content every, every two weeks or so? Every two weeks, generally, yeah. Yeah. And so we encourage people, if you're struggling with today's topic, which is lust, we're going to be talking about lust today, just for men. I encourage you to check out Mark's podcast and go through those topics with a mentor, with a men's group or a small group, or even with your young man, even with your dad. And so we encourage you as we, we're going to get into some kind of difficult stuff here. And John, I'll, I'll let you kind of get us started and introduce this topic and connect it to sort of the seven deadly sins idea. Well, as we've talked about in the series so far, all of these seven deadly sins are really shortcuts. They're, they're ways that culture and, and that the enemy behind that culture tells us is going to bring us fulfillment. And I think this issue of lust Man, it may be the one that's most prevalent in our list of seven deadly sins. It really does seem to be at at almost epidemic proportions in our society. Our our culture is just so sexualized that as men in particular, we have to be on guard. We have to be intentional because this sin is lurking around every corner. I remember as a kid, I used to have to kind of go and look for it. You know, guys my age, I'm in my late 40s. Maybe you remember it was going to your buddy's house or, or when, when you're out messing around with your friends, you know, you you had opportunities to have lustful thoughts or see things that, you know, you shouldn't look at, but now it just seems like it's hunting you down in every area of your life. Yeah. Mark, for you, just real quickly, maybe give us the two minute version of your story. Cause I know a lot of young men listening to this might not see their problem with, let's say, pornography. They might not see that as an addiction. But for you, you had an addiction before you knew Jesus. Give us just a quick version of your story and the victory you've experienced. So like you said, I I wasn't a believer um, um, initially. So I struggled, you know, like a lot of young men, I think, today with, with pornography and things. And it was, obviously it was a little harder when you're, you know, when we were all younger, it was harder to find, but with the the internet, man, it just really sucks people in. And that's what happened to me. Um, when I met my wife, I wasn't a believer, um, but I was hiding this pornography addiction. Um, she, you know, eventually found out after we were married and, and, um, and I saw just, I just saw the pain and the, the hurt that it caused. And, and I was determined I wasn't going to do that anymore. Um, but what happened was, you know, my sheer willpower just carried me maybe a year, probably not even that. And then I found myself just sucked back in even deeper, getting into, you know, all kinds of, you know, cyber sex and all these the, the things that can happen on the Internet. Um, and eventually, you know, uh, leading all the way to um, infidelity. And it kept me trapped for a long, long time. Those secrets and the shame and, you know, 
just, I just destroyed my marriage completely. Um, it's, it's only by the grace of God that, that I'm still married today, you know, she, and she'll admit the same thing that it was, it's only through his strength that we were able to make it through each of us. And I want people to hear that because I think with this sin, guys, isn't it true that it's easy? This is a secret sin for most people. We're going to get to that. But for a lot of people, young people especially, I think you might you might have this vision for your life that there's no way I'm going to get over this. This is going to be something I'm always going to struggle with. And, and you know, we do a lot of ministry with young men. Guys, I my son even says he doesn't know anyone his age no one. This is his. This is his perspective. He doesn't know anyone who's his age, who doesn't struggle with this. And to me, that's shocking and that's sad. But I want people to hear at the outset: you can have victory over this. This doesn't have to define you. This doesn't have to have its its talons in you for the rest of your life. If if you really kind of pay attention, if you do some of the things we're gonna, some of the practical steps we're going to get to today, you can have lifelong victory over this. It's really a pursuit of purity is what we're going to be talking about. And, and you, you can pursue purity and, ex, and experience purity for the rest of your life. But it's not, like a, it's not like a destination you get to. It's a journey that you're always going to, you know, we're, we're four old guys talking about this and it's a battle that we still fight, but we're having victory over it. And young men, you can have the same victory. And I want to just let our listeners know we are talking about lust today, not specifically pornography. And I just want to bring that up. We do have a podcast uh, on the men's podcast for pornography specifically. But your point, Brian, about battling for purity is is way bigger than just not looking at porn. It's our thought life. It's even the way for those of us who are married, it's the way we look at our wives, the, the way that that we come to the physical intimacy in our marriage, not being all about ourselves, but, but being about our wives. And so it's, it's a little bit broader conversation today than the one we did on pornography. Yeah, it's really, it's really the, the, the first conversation, you know, I think a lot of people might be thinking pornography, but, but lust is the root thing. Lust is the thing sort of at the bottom of it. So if you don't really identify lust and what that is and and how it impacts the way you view women even your own wife or your future wife then i think you're not going to have victory and so this is one of those um, conversations i think that every young man needs to have probably on a regular basis and so let's start with what we've already mentioned is this this idea that lust is a shortcut you know all these deadly sins are they're shortcuts to something that we we think we're going to get to this place that we want to be, and yet it doesn't bring us there. So lust is a shortcut to sexual fulfillment. Thud, why don't you talk about this for a little bit? Because you've been married for for as long as any of us here. And I think you understand this f- from a broader perspective, right? From the perspective of a guy who's who's lived some life and have ex- you've experienced fulfillment even in marriage. Thanks, Brian. Um yeah, I've been married almost uh, 30 years now, and uh, what a blessing it has been. But it's also been what a struggle it has been, too, at the same time. You know, I grew up in the culture uh, of the Southern Church especially, but I think the church in general that did not address this issue. It was, um, I grew up in the, what they call the purity culture down here, in which you commit your life to purity. And what that meant was they would use Matthew 5, and we'll talk about that in a minute, not as uh, what it was meant to, 
when you talk about the, um, the Sermon on the Mount, but it was used almost as shameful that all sex was shameful and all sexual desire was shameful. But they would never talk about the Song of Solomon, right? They would never talk about the gift that God has blessed us with, the, the pleasures that God wants us to have in the covenant of marriage. So the enemy has now conver- has taken this and uh, corrupted it, corrupted God's blessing on marriage in a horrible way, in a way that um, is never spoken about in the church. So thank you to uh, Pursue God and Alpine for tackling this and, and opening these conversations up because so many times this becomes whispered about, especially in the, in the church I grew up in, it was whispered. It was not talked about. It was shameful. And so it was taught that, you know, it was shameful to have these desires and that if you were pure going into marriage, that once you were married, everything was going to be perfect. And as we all know, that's not the case. And so I think this is a much bigger issue. Pornography is just uh, a vehicle in which the enemy uses to hit us with lust. Uh, our culture in general is very uh, driven toward this, very self-centered, very prideful, very uh, sexually uh, driven. And I'll tell you, gentlemen, that if you don't get a hold of this early, that it will impact your marriage. It will be impact your children. And it is so very important that we flee from this, that we, uh, we will always struggle with this, or at least I have. And, but this is the sin that God uses in my life to be transparent with others, to be vulnerable with others, and to uh, call out uh, the enemy when he's attacking. And it's using, me to, using it for me to remind me that I am in need of a Savior. This is my humbling sin is what I call it. And so, gentlemen, this is very important that we talk about this, we address this, and we flee from it as soon as possible. I think it's interesting that our culture seems to believe that sexual fulfillment is the ultimate achievement. I mean, when you when you look around at what's going on in our culture today, it's almost like that's the pinnacle. And from my reading of Scripture, it certainly doesn't seem like there's going to be sex in heaven. So if there's not going to be sex in heaven, and heaven is the ultimate fulfillment... <laughs> then I don't think sexual fulfillment should be the golden ticket. You know, right? It is a blessing from God, as Thud said. It is, it's an amazing part of the blessing of being married. But even in that, even in the context of marriage between a man and a woman, that's not the ultimate fulfillment in my marriage. There are things in my marriage that are more fulfilling to me than, than physical intimacy with my wife. And, and my primary love language is physical touch. So you know, if you're out there saying, well, for me, man, I really need that. I, I, I get you. I understand. But our, our relationship with our creator is so much more important and so much more fulfilling than sexual fulfillment. And clearly someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, I know that sounds foreign to you if you're listening, but I promise you that is more fulfilling than sexual fulfillment is. Yeah. And it really when we think about sexual fulfillment, you're thinking about yourself. When you think of that word, you're thinking about yourself. But that's the opposite of a biblical picture of sex. Husbands, men, it's about, it's about fulfilling your spouse. And so it's, the, it's literally the opposite. I mean, the enemy, this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to, get, he wants to corrupt your understanding of even just that concept, sexual fulfillment. And what you end up doing is you objectify, when you lust after a woman, 
man, this is so important. You're objectifying that person for your own selfish pleasure. That's the opposite of what God wants for you in marriage. Mark, maybe you can speak to that because I think you understand this at a whole different level. Like you understand the truly dark side of this with with not just your story, but just some of the people you've helped out of this addiction. And so speak to how you view sexual fulfillment now in a godly, God-honoring marriage. Yeah, I think, you know, those of us who have struggled in this area understand the corruption that FUD was talking about, this absolute corruption of what sex even is. It becomes, like you were mentioning, Brian, it becomes this selfish thing. We look at sexual fulfillment as satisfying myself, and that's it. And the Bible talks clearly about, you know, marriage and and a sexual relationship with your wife, two becoming one, right? We're, it's, it's not about me anymore. It's not about me getting sexual fulfillment and, and, and that's it. And, you know, you can, <laughs> you can imagine how crass we could get in this, in this discussion. And I don't want to get there, but there is that kind of this idea of, of a man just fulfilling his, his himself. In fact, um, my wife and I, we were watching, uh, just the other day, this documentary on, um, on sex trafficking and this, this woman kind of talking about the, like what it, what it even is, you know, when these, these men go and they, they pay for say a prostitute or something. I mean, it's, it's essentially them, um, just the, the, that's one person involved in it, right? The other person is just an object. And that's, that's really what this has become. And, and when this comes into the marriage, this, this comes into my marriage. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's horrible um, because you do, you end up seeing your spouse as an object and not as a person. And, you know, my wife and I talk openly about this, but we were both really broken sexually. Um, and so that's what, it, that's what it was. It was just, it was an act. It was, it was not an act of love. Um, but that's something that God has really had to transform in both of our minds about what sex is. I've had to relearn what sex is and, and so has she. And it's been, it's been a journey big time of, of just learning what, what is this, what is sexual intimacy really about? Um, is it about just, you know, fulfilling myself and then being done? No, this is about two becoming one. This is about loving each other and serving each other through love that way. Yeah, and I think it's important for, for especially young men to understand that we're not just talking about lust skewing your picture of sex. Lust has an impact on every part of your life, just like any sin. Sin in general, it doesn't just impact us physically or emotionally. Sin, sin and lust in particular impacts like the whole picture of a person. This is something that Mark in your own story with your wife, you guys have you guys have had to have healing in every area of your life because it's not, you know, Satan doesn't just do this to us so that he messes up our physical ability. And there is some of that, right? That physically the the more you lust, the more you the more you act on your lust, then the harder it is to be fulfilled sexually. So there is a physical element to this, but John Thud, maybe talk us through some of the other impacts that lust can have on people when it just runs rampant in their life. Well, why don't we kick this off with just a, a passage real quick, and then I'll turn it over, Thud, if you want to 
hit hit maybe one or two of these, but Matthew 5, 27 through 30 says, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your strong hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Yeah, it's interesting um, the way I read that now versus the way I read it as a young man. So as a young man, I heard that and uh, I, mean, I was like, holy cow, is that is that serious? I mean, does God want me to cut off my hand? Does he want me to gouge my eye out? Um, I I don't think so now. Now, in the way, way I, read, I, I read what he is talking about when he says committed adultery with her in his heart and where I am with that. And so what God, I think, is what Jesus is, is speaking here, where at least I read that is he is he's just deadly serious about how important and how hard this is. He is saying, hey, I am so serious about this. You know, I need you to to take some extreme measures. And I think he's doing that. There's so many parts of this that he can get into the physical side of things. Uh, he's he's talking about he's warning us that there's all diseases you can get. There's pregnancy can happen. Um, He's also talking emotionally, how we objectify women and how we look at women. And I'll tell you one of the dangers I have with lust is um, changing that into an object, changing a woman into something else. I'm telling you, one of the worst things I think has ever happened to um, America, and uh, I'm going to get a little, little bit edgy here, is yoga pants. Yoga pants um, are, are <laughs> tough, you know, and, the, and, it, and it brings men into this emotional state sometimes with objectifying women. And let me be clear. I mean, it's not just a man's issue. It's a woman's issue as well, but we're going to talk about the men's side of things here. But let me tell you one of the strongest parts that when we talk about the problem with lust is relationally. I remember very vividly uh, talking to my wife for the first time when we were in college, we were married about pornography and having to um, explain that to her. And it was, it was, it, I, I'll never forget the look on her face and the, the, the loss of trust that was there. So it will, it will, it can hurt you relationally. And then spiritually, um, it's easy to forget to pursue God when we're pursuing women and we're pursuing that lust. And it makes it like we talked about earlier, Mark talked about and John talked about it. It all becomes about me. And that's just the opposite of what Jesus is trying to teach here. It's not about it's not about us. It's about uh, our marriage, our wife, our spouse. It's about them. And so let me tell you, in the male dominated culture that I'm in. Even one of this built around service and sacrifice. Uh, it is so easy to get into this uh, secret world. It's so easy to get into this world about myself that um, it can destroy marriages. It can destroy you physically, emotionally, relationally. It can destroy you physically. I've, I've seen, uh, I've heard of men going to Las Vegas and uh, doing things they shouldn't be doing 
with their without their wives and uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and they take home a disease to their wife. And so when Jesus is talking to me here, to what, the way I read and when Jesus speaks to me through this, this verse in Matthew 5 is that he's, he is so serious about this. He's so serious enough that, hey, he wants you to gouge your eye out. I mean, think about that. Think about how hard that would be. But he is just saying, hey, guys, this is important. Run from this. Years ago, I was the chaplain for the Chicago Cubs, and they had uh, their spring ball was down in uh, Arizona. And so as a result, many of those ball players had mistresses in Arizona. And every couple of every every year the the front office would send the family with the players on a road trip. And this particular year I was working for them, they were they decided to send the families to Arizona on the road trip to Arizona during the during the seat regular season. And the players were up in arms secretly. The players were up in arms because they they said, don't you guys know? That's where we have our mistresses. Why are you sending our families with us down there? And I was disgusted to see that. And I know that that's in sports. I think that's in military. But I think I think there's just something about human nature that that's just, that's, that's in all of us, the ability, the temptation to do it. And that's why, I, you know, this topic is so important. Young men, like figure this out early on. If you want to honor God with your life, then make a decision early on that you're going to be different from our culture. I want to tie this back to our, our first point about the shortcut. We we're told that this is what's going to bring fulfillment. We're told that this is what, you know, men do, but emotionally what it really leads to is lack of contentment. I mean, the, the guys, even secular studies say that the guys who'd report, kind of the highest level of, of sexual contentment are the guys who are happily married and faithful to their wife. So it's not all this chasing and running around and, and undressing a woman with my eyes and all that stuff. All that leads to is, is feelings of frustration. You know, it leads to distraction. I can't even be really present with my wife if, if I'm battling all these images that I've seen throughout the day. And I don't even mean just pornographic images, just just attractive mm-hmm. women. I mean, this is, this is such a humbling thing to say, but there was a time when I was a pastor that I couldn't stand in the back row where I normally like to stand and worship because there was a line of, of three college athletes, female athletes <laughs> to Thud's point who would wear leggings most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I would catch myself having lustful thoughts in the church, in the building mm-hmm. during a service. And so I, I, you know, I knew that was serious. Like I knew this is a big deal. So I physically had to move to the other side of the chapel when these young ladies would come in and I'm not, I'm not throwing them under the bus. That's all on me. I'm just saying it. And and that would leave me for that next, you know, 30, 40 minutes. I would have so much shame and guilt that I couldn't even really worship God. Well, you know, just carrying that. So guys, it, it is not going to bring you the fulfillment that it advertises. It, it makes it all about you, like we've been talking about. And, and again, I want to be 
I want to be respectful for guys who are struggling with lust. If we talk too much details, even this podcast could be mm-hmm. hard for a guy to listen to. But I am most fulfilled physically when my wife feels secure, when she feels fulfilled, and when she feels cared for in that area of our marriage. When I'm doing that well, I feel fulfilled. And that, that so it, it's all about taking that focus off of me and what I want to, am I meeting, you know, am I meeting my wife's needs and am I fulfilling her in this area of our marriage? You will try and true, find true fulfillment if that's the approach you take. I wanted to jump in. I had a thought real quick on, on relationally how this, this impacts us. You know, we're talking about how it impacts our, our marriage. Um, but it, it, I found you know, in my experience, struggling with, with lust, when I, when I was really letting it rule my life, man, it didn't just impact my, my marriage. It impacted almost every relationship that I had because it turned me into such a selfish person that I really couldn't, couldn't have good relationships because a a good relationship takes, you know, being a selfless person, caring more about other people, and I couldn't do that because I was absolutely ruled by lust. So like I said, it, it impacted every relationship in my life. You know, one of our goals here in this, in this podcast is to get men being honest, to get men, you know, talking about important things and being more transparent. And I, and I hope that for you guys out there listening, I hope hearing some of these like studly guys be honest about their struggles. I hope that encourages you and inspires you to do the same thing because lust feeds on secrecy. It always has. It feeds on secret. Every sin does, but lust especially feeds on secrecy and it starves in transparency. So guys, let's get to some of the real practical takeaways because hopefully by now the men listening are saying, okay, I get it. This is why I'm listening to this. This is why we're doing this this topic in our men's group or wherever you're talking about this is because I deal with this. We all deal with this. So what's the solution? How do I, how do I get there? How do I get to this place of victory in my life? If it's not a destination, if it's a journey, if purity is a journey, um, how do I start that journey? What, what are the, what, what are the first steps for that? And I think the first step really is confession. Um, first John one, eight through 10, it says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. So guys, let's start talking about the solution to this. James five sixteen says, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And whenever I read that in James 5, I'm thinking about when I confess my sins to someone else, he's the righteous person who's going to be praying for me. So part of the reason to bring in an accountability partner, a wingman, is is because I need him not just for my confession, but I need him to join me to pray that I can have victory over lust in my life. Thud, maybe you can talk about this because you're a fighter pilot, so you understand wingman more than anybody. Yeah, absolutely. So the way I attack it uh, through the years has been through just what you said, accountability and transparency. So first and foremost, I have an accountability partner. Uh, my wife is my best friend, but she is not it in this, in this area. Um, 
he is a guy I get to spend a lot of time with as far as we hunt a lot together, a lot of private time, one-on-one time. And it's, it's really amazing how we can start to have a little bit of conversation once you become open about it. And now it becomes, how do I say, over years of doing this together, it is so transparent. It's so easy to talk about. It was so hard at the beginning. Now it's so easy to talk about to where we can talk about things that you would maybe hear in a secular men's group as far as, but we say it in a way that is very Christian as in, I should say Christian, that is biblically based. You know, we can, we can share with each other our struggles. We can share what we've been thinking about. And it really, it, it just is that burden of secrecy that's just taken off of your heart and it's off, off of you. And it's so liberating. And the other part is just transparency. What we're doing right here, right now, talking about it. I have a, a friend of mine a couple of years ago. Some of you may know him from the early podcasts of Pursue God. Got another fighter pot by the name of Pinto. And he and I were one day with another man who was struggling with his faith. And we became so transparent about our struggles with this. His jaw, when I say it almost hit his chest, it about hit his chest. He was almost speechless to hear these two men, these two other fighter pilots talking about their struggles and how being transparent, it almost, it really helped the battle. And it really almost solved the problem. It took away the enemy's weapon that we have of secrecy. And especially in today's world when you have so much in your, at the, you have so much in that computer you hold in your hand, so much um, availability, but so much secrecy at the same time that being transparent and having an accountability partner is the only weapon we really have right now against this secrecy, at least in my life. I'm reminded of in our recovery groups, we, we go over the 12 steps of AA and the, the fifth step in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, is um, we admitted to God, ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. And there's something powerful about that. There's something powerful about finally freeing ourselves from these secrets that have just kept us in chains all this time. And, you know, for me, it, it took being found out. I, I wasn't courageous enough to be able to open up and share and be transparent. Um, that's something that I, I was, <laughs> I was gifted with being caught. Um, and then over time learning how to be transparent and how to be real about it. And something that's, that's something else that's powerful about this is when, when we're able to share, it, it does, it, it allows other people to feel like they can share as well. Like you're talking about Thud, that, that conversation that you're having, somebody is so moved by it that that can, that can change everything. You know, in the, in the church, there are so many times where we feel like we're supposed to pretend like we have everything buttoned up. Like we're supposed to just pretend like, Oh, we're all good. Right. We show up on a Sunday. Hey, how, how are you? You know, Oh, we're great. Yeah. Doing great. And man, that's not what the Bible says we're supposed to do. We're supposed to come and confess our sins to one another. We're supposed to share our struggles and, you know, obviously on a Sunday morning, you know, maybe some of those things aren't, aren't the best times to talk about that, but that's why we have 
men's groups. That's why we have these, you know, mentors in different places that we can go and be real and share these things with other people because we're, none of us, none of us are, are, uh, you know, not struggling with it. We, we all live in this sexualized society that has this stuff thrust into our face all the time. And to pretend like we don't, you know, to, to say that we have no sin, right? We're, we're fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth, as, as it says in First John there. One of the scariest Bible verses to me is the one that says, be sure of this, your sin will find you out. And so let me just speak to the man out there who's listening to this, maybe just on your own, you came across this for whatever reason. And you haven't confessed this to anybody. Nobody knows about this. I just want you to know God God can't be mocked. God's not a liar. Your sin will find you out. It's going to come out in the open. And this is what I like to tell men in that place. It is going to be so much better for you if you confess it than if it finds you out. It just, it, you know, Mark, in your own story, I'm sure you, you wish you could go back and have just confessed it to your wife instead of it finding you out, which it always does. And so I, I want to challenge men, maybe guys, we can, we can finish with five steps to victory. And I, I really want to give people something practical that they can apply in their life. And so we've kind of hit on some of these already, but let's order these for people. If you're listening, men, if you're out there listening, here are five things that you can do to overcome lust in your life. Number one, confess it to God. I think confessing it to God's important because that's the probably the easiest confession. It's almost like practice. God already knows. You know God already knows. You can't hide it from him. So step number one, confess it to God. I think when we're confessing this sin of lust to God too, Brian, there's, there's another sin that goes with it hand in hand that I think sometimes we forget about, and that's the sin of not trusting him what we're really doing when we're, when we're lusting is we're not trusting that God has our best in mind in this area of our lives. For some reason, th- this area is the one area where I think even many Christians feel like God is holding out on me. You know, like the reason God doesn't want me to lust is because he just, he's just being stingy in this area. And I'm here to tell you, God is not being stingy. God wants the best for you. God is trying to save you from from the wounds that this sin causes. So when we're confessing our lust to God, I think we also need to make sure that we're confessing to him, God, I'm sorry for not trusting you in this area. I'm sorry for not believing in your goodness, because I think that plays a bigger part in this than we realize. Okay, so step one, confess it to God. And then step two, and Mark, you mentioned this already in the 12 steps, confess it to a confident, confidant. That means confess it to another human being. And and when you confess it to God, it maybe makes it a little bit easier. Maybe this is part of what you need to pray for is God help me to trust you so that I can be honest about it with somebody else. Thud for you, how did you pick your confidant, right? You mentioned that you have an accountability guy because you shouldn't just confess it to any old person. It's important to pick the right person or a couple of people to confess it to. Yeah. So one, this guy is one of my mentors and, uh, it's funny how it started. It started with uh, us sitting, we were turkey hunting and sitting next to a tree and him making a comment about uh, why we hunt turkeys at that time of year, right? And it's, it's basically breeding season. And so that led us into about a three-hour conversation 
that just opened the door. And so God used nature out there as a way to open that up for us. And uh, it's amazing how he started first as my mentor on this. And now when you get into a true mentor relationship, it's, it's both ways, right? And so now is, is an opportunity for us to help him through some issues he's been having. Uh, same back with me, the constant struggle. And so God opened that up. And I think a lot of that was me becoming transparent uh, and me understanding that I couldn't win this fight by myself. And when I did that, God just opened the door for me. So prayer through that is how I found mine. God providing me a, 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 a relief in the sense of going through that. But I, there are so many men's groups out there that are, are available. And what I would say is first start with, if you have no one, let's go to a pastor. Find your pastor. Go ahead and confess it to him. Get it out there. Get some good counseling. There's great programs out there. Mark has a great program. We have one similar in our church. There are programs out there that help you, and there are other believers. So when in doubt, just pick a man that you know is strong in the Lord and just go, hey, I need some help. And I think that's the that's how I started it anyway. Okay, so confess it to God, step one. Step two, confess it to a confidant. And then step three comes straight from Scripture, renew your mind every day. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And we need to remember this is part of part of the victory is really to think differently about this. And then it says in, in Romans 12, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so John, Mark, maybe walk us through what are some things that, what are some disciplines, some spiritual disciplines, some habits that that people can begin to, practice in their lives to renew their mind every day? Well, I, I'll, I'll jump in on this. You know, the first one is that you've got, we, we've, we've got a, a list here. And the first one, God's word um, being in the Bible, this is where, you know, we're pulling Bible verses right, right now to talk about this, right. To, to, to bring light to this subject, to bring truth in. And that's, that's really where, where we learn um, what truth is, you know, we learn about what does a relationship look like? What, you know, what does honesty look like? What does, um, following Jesus look like? And if we can learn that, then that that's huge for us. Um, and, and, you know, there's a, there's quite a few others here, prayer and, and worship, this idea of renewing your mind. That's actually, that's a Bible verse that I, one of the first Bible verses that I actually memorized was, you know, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That, that verse really was something that it just hit me. It hit me one day as I was, um, on this, just starting this, this road to following Jesus and trying not to live this lustful life anymore. And I, and I did find that that's, that's true. Like God really will renew your mind. That's, that's not just a, just a catchy phrase or anything, but he really does. He will give me new, a new heart and new desires. If I will, if I'll really, you know, practice these things, if I'll put some of these practical things into place, he'll, he'll give me a, a, a new mind. Um, and that's, that's something that's crucial because we can, we can confess this and we can admit these things that we're struggling with. But man, if we're not going to do anything 
about it, we're just going to continue to struggle with it. And we see this over and over in, 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 you know, a lot of our recovery groups is people will come, they, they, they find that they're struggling with something. And so they'll admit to it, open up about it, but man, they don't want to change their lifestyle. They don't want to change their habits and the things that they do that are so crucial to giving them victory in this area. So these first three steps, I would call defensive steps, confess it to God, confess it to a confidant and renew your mind every day. You haven't actually gone on the offensive yet. And I would say this next step is going on the offensive. And John, I really like how you talk about this because you've got a couple of young sons and, and thud you do as well. The next one is to eliminate sources of temptation. Walk us through some of those things. Because again, we talked about how back when we were kids, when we were growing up, they're eliminating sources of temptation would have been, well, don't look at your your buddy's dad's penthouse or Playboy magazine. But today the sources of temptation are just manifold. They're all over the place. So walk us through some real practical steps. Well, I would start with your phone. What apps do you have on your phone? Do you have Instagram? Do you have TikTok? Do you have YouTube? Um, I'm not saying any of those are wrong in and of themselves, and I'm not saying they're wrong for everyone. But if you struggle with lust, if it you know if it's got a hold on you, that may be the eye you have to gouge out. That may be what you have to get rid of. So I don't have TikTok on my phone. I don't have Instagram on my phone, and and I won't. I just I don't need that added temptation. I wouldn't have a computer in your bedroom. I just wouldn't have one in there. I wouldn't have a computer really in any room that's that's going to give you kind of secret access to it or private access to it. A third one, and I know this is gonna this is gonna rub some guys the wrong way, but maybe you should quit going to the gym. I'm look, I'm all for for taking care of our body. You know, I'm all for being a good steward of the body that God has given us. I try to exercise pretty regularly, but I quit going to the gym. I gave up my gym membership probably 10, 12 years ago because I just, it never failed. It never failed that the most attractive woman in the gym would use the Stairmaster right in front of the treadmill I was running on or, you know, I just, <laughs> with her yoga pants with her on. Yoga pants on. <laughs> exactly. So I just had to quit going. It just wasn't worth the risk for me. And, and uh, along with that, this is slightly off, but I, I would encourage guys when you find yourself battling this to focus on the worst case scenario. We, we always like to think about the best case scenario. I tell you what, man, this was revolutionary for me. I focus on the worst case scenario. When I see lust start to creep in, I think about what's the worst thing that could happen if I go down this path. You know, it could kill my marriage. I, I could be fired. I would be fired, <laughs> you know, as a pastor, but depending upon how far down that path I went, I mean, I, I focus on the worst case scenario and all of a sudden that attractive lady is not so attractive anymore. I, I can just honestly say that. Another one that I put on is just like play the dweeb guys. I know that's hard to do. I know, especially if you're kind of a goofy guy, like I am, you don't get that many women who pay interest anyway. And then when one does you, you want to milk that for all it's worth. Even if you don't really have <laughs> lustful intentions, you kind of want to be the cool guy in the room you can't do that. You, you, you got to kind of have to play the dweeb. Like don't try to be the most interesting guy in the room. Now I'm not saying not to be yourself, you know, certainly be yourself, be honest to who God has, has made you, but there's just something in men where we, we want to, 
what's back to that strutting turkey that that thud was talking about we want to puff up our chest we want to spread those tail feathers we want to show everybody how cool we are and there are times when you just kind of have to play the dweeb don't don't be the interesting guy in the room you know for me that's so these are these are so good and i, I would encourage people to make your own list of sources of temptation because we're not going to hit all of them but for me as a married man guys i i remember years ago there was a there was a woman that was that was dangerous to me that was she was attractive to me she was dangerous now john i'm with you you don't make your spouse your your accountability partner but i remember telling my wife i said she's dangerous to me and confessing that to her was so helpful just to say that woman now again it's not there was it's nothing about the woman i i don't want to i'm not saying that this is the the women's problem it was just so helpful for me to say that like, Hey, that's a dangerous person. Tracy, I want you to know that. And, and it's, it's like that took away the secrecy that took away all the, any kind of thoughts I could have had that just took all of it away right there or so much of it away right there, because I put that kind of thing out on the table. So that one of the, one of the ways to eliminate a source of temptation is to make sure you're confessing the names of people you might not even know the names but it's the woman at the gym or it's the it's the it's the lady who's it's the girl who sits in the third row on the left side at church say those things speak those things out to your accountability partner speak those things out to your confidant and those are some of the ways you can eliminate sources of temptation so step number one confess it to god step two confess it to a confidant step three renew your mind every day with those spiritual disciplines like God's word and prayer and worship and fellowship. Step four, eliminate sources of temptation. Again, you can make your own lists out there, guys, but the last step, this is the last thing we'll, we'll end with, guys, is retrain your response to triggers. So this is kind of a, a tip from anyone who's read about how habits work in our mind. But basically, the way you form a habit is something happens to trigger the habit so a trigger comes and then you have this automated response and over time you retrain your response to triggers. So we've been talking about some of these triggers. This good looking girl triggers us to have lust. And what we're talking about in this last step is to retrain your response. This is It's like the enemy wants that trigger to, to bring you down that pathway of, of having a lustful thought. And what we're saying is, acknowledge and recognize that trigger and let it trigger something else. Yeah. We've had other conversations about the idea of good habits, bad habits. If you just leave a void. So if you're trying to eliminate a bad habit and you just kind of leave that empty, you'll probably fall right back into it. So it is not just avoiding the bad habit, but how can I replace it with something that's good with something that's God honoring. So I'm sure the men listening today have all heard the concept of bouncing your eyes, right? You, you know, you're, you're having coffee with a buddy, an attractive woman walks in and you notice her the first time. That's probably not sinful. It's probably okay. She's an attractive woman. God made us visual. But when we take that second look and we start to let our mind go places, that's, that's where lust gets a foothold, right? And so instead of just bouncing my eyes, one of the things that I try to do now is if I notice an attractive woman and I'm like, okay, it's time to bounce my eyes, I thank God for my wife. So just that moment of bouncing my eyes and being like, God, thank you that, thank you that Rhonda's faithful. You know, thank you that she affirms me. Thank, just whatever it is, that 
that helped me. And that was so much more effective than just bouncing my eyes. Because when I just bounced my eyes, I noticed three minutes later, they were bouncing back her direction. <laughs> and then I try to bounce them away again. So replace some of those bad habits with a good habit. Maybe it's a verse. You know, maybe it's the verse about fleeing sexual immorality because that's a sin against our own body. Maybe it's a verse about how you're a new creation in Christ, but but try to replace that bad habit with a good habit. Thud, we're going to give you the last word. Why don't you kind of drive this thing home? Give us one more good like fighter pilot analogy that we can take with us. All right, I'll take that cue. Um, so I agree. For me, it's, it's fleeing from this sin. This is a sin that... Um, I cannot fight alone. It's a, it's a battle you cannot win by yourself. And so uh, if you've seen Top Gun 2, you know, the Maverick, I don't be a spoiler here, but, uh, you know, everyone wants to talk about, always about the dogfight and how, you know, Maverick's the best dogfighter in the world. In reality, how we fight the modern warfare is um, we try to shoot at range. We shoot missiles long range. We turn around and we run. When we turn back in, we'll shoot missiles again, and we turn around and run. And our last, the last thing we want to do is turn in and fight one-on-one. And because of math and physics, we find ourselves there a lot of times at what we call the merge. The difference is 20 years ago when I was flying an F-16, I could go to the merge and beat anybody. Today, I can't. Today, I go to the merge, and our, our tactics manuals say most of the time they're unsurvivable. That you go there, you're going to die. But we still go there. The difference is we're never alone. I may go and emerge with this guy. I may, I may have to get in a fight with, this, with this, this, this lust, this sin I have. But I'm never there by myself. That my wingman is going to come in and save the day. So not to ruin Top Gun 2, if you haven't, spoiler alert, uh, at the end. Uh, there's a dogfight, and Maverick's the best dogfighter in the world. But at the end, you see that he is outmatched. He's outpaced. The threat is too severe for him, and he is about to die. He and his backseat are about to die. But he is saved by his wingman, who comes in and saves the day. Gentlemen, you cannot do this alone. Have an accountability partner. Be transparent. Go in this fight prepared, fully from it as long as you can. But if you find yourself there, reach out for help. The Lord first, and then your partner. If you want to talk about this with your wingman, with a men's group, with your accountability partner, with your dad, young men, with your son, dads, you can find this online at pursuegod.org forward slash seven, the number seven dash sins. That's our series, Seven Deadly Sins. This is Lust. Make sure to join us next time as we talk about the next deadly sin. And I also encourage you, if you're struggling with addiction in this area, check out Pastor Mark's podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. It's called Addiction Recovery. Type in the word, pursue God, all one word. That's how you'll find it. I hope you join us next time. Thanks for listening.